Good morning. And we're, we're usually are the 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock crowd, so it's nice to see some different, fa not that you're at home watching, if you're watching, you're usually 11, don't be offended. It's just good to see some, some new faces. <laughs> Forgot to do something there. <clears throat> but it is good to see you all here. It's, uh, it, it's great to see some, uh, some returning to normal. I mean, just kind of everywhere you look, that's very encouraging. It's a, it's a, it's a good shot in the arm. There's a vaccination joke there somewhere, but in 598 BC, a 25 year old priest, along with his king and about 10,000 of his countrymen were taken from their homeland and taken off to Babylon. About five years later, that young priest named Ezekiel was called by God into a prophetic ministry. Now, Ezekiel, his name means strengthened by God. And no doubt the, the visions and the messages that he shared with his people strengthened his people, but they, he also challenged his people. One of those visions is where I want us to spend our time together this morning. In Ezekiel chapter 37... We find the first part of that chapter. We find the, the vision which we've come to name or come to know as the Valley of Dry Bones. And it's, a, it's, it's something that you've probably heard before. You may, if you've been in the church very long, you've probably heard it preached a time or 20. But it, 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 it's a very well-known passage, and it is usually used in the context of church revival. You know, it's the idea of bringing things back to life. And that's a great use. That's a good context. That's a valid use. And maybe that's a lesson that needs to be preached in churches at, at different times throughout their history. But this morning, what I want to do is look at, that, look at this vision from a little bit different direction. What I want us to focus on this morning is the fact that when God looks at that valley of dry bones, that God sees a dead people. He sees a people who are dead, who are lifeless. But his promise is that he will bring these bones, these dead, back to life and that he will use them to his purpose. I don't know how much you pay attention to the news. I kind of cycle off and on. Sometimes I'm kind of a news hound and I listen way too much and it gets me angry and irritated. And then I just quit completely. And that's kind of where I've been off and on throughout the last several months. But if you've watched any news, especially news on the economy and news on business, one thing you may have seen is the fact that throughout this year, and especially over the last few months as we've kind of tried to get back to business, that many corporations, many companies, many businesses, individuals within those businesses are just feeling a little bit lost, a little bit unsure of their way, a little bit lost in their purpose. And it's led to some infighting, some kind of inward looking and spatting with each other. Why is that? Because they're not sure what to do next. Everything's so uncertain that there's no clear direction. And instead, corporations, companies, businesses, groups of people find themselves just maintaining their day-to-day -day existence. Which isn't good for any sort of organization. Now let me shift gears on you. Remember that idea. Let me shift gears on you just a little bit. Let me share some statistics with you. This is from just Ada County, religion in Ada County, Idaho. You look at these numbers, 44.3% of the people in Ada County are religious. Look at that list. It's kind of all over the place. I think we fit in right in here somewhere. 10.5, another Christian faith. I don't know what that even means, really, to tell you the truth. But I guess that's where they are. And, and those are not very encouraging <laughs> to tell you the truth. But what that means, let's focus on this, what that means is 55.7% of Ada County is, doesn't know who they are. They don't have any sort of religious affiliation. They don't have any sort of connection to a church body. Look at this one. This one is even a little bit older. This is from the 2010 census. I want you to see that you probably can't read this. This says evangelical Protestant, black Protestant, mainline Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox, other. And then what I want you to see is this red bar at the end. Unclaimed. 223,000 in Ada County don't have this. Any, any version of it 
people who don't know anything or don't have any connection to who Jesus is. Unclaimed. And let's think back to Ezekiel. As Ezekiel looks out over this valley, in this vision, he finds himself surrounded by bones, by death, by dead people. And God commands him to do something about it. To do something, to do something about this. From where Ezekiel stood, that task must have seemed, even in that vision, it must have seemed impossible. But what we'll see in the next few minutes is that he obeyed God and God blessed his efforts. That he did what God asked him to do and he saw these dead bodies brought to life. Like Ezekiel, we are surrounded by dead. There's evidence of spiritual death all around us. You don't have to read very far in the news to see that there is, there is corruption, there is disease, there is death, there is crime. There, is, there are all kinds of things that are just evidence of spiritual death all around us. And we need to remember that no matter what we see in the world around us, that we still have a God-given purpose. That like Ezekiel, God tells us that, that we have been sent to tell the dead that they can live. And it's hard. It's hard right now. Maybe, and this is one of those things, I'm sure preachers have stood in pulpits for years and said this, but it may be harder now than ever. But we have, we have the deck a little bit stacked against us right now. But that, nonetheless, that doesn't relieve us from the, the obligation, from the, the responsibility that we have to serve God's purpose. We have to remember, and that's what I want to do this morning, is remind us that if we'll do as God tells us to do, He'll, he'll bless our efforts too. And like I said, it's hard right now, which means we have to be creative. And I'm going to be honest with you right now. This is not a, going to be a lesson about some things that we can do. This is not going to be the how. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to throw that out to you all. If you have ideas, part of my, one of my hats I wear here is outreach, minister, growth and outreach. If you have ideas, creative, novel ideas about how we could reach into our community, come tell me. Let's talk about it. But we're not going to talk about the how right now. It's just as so much as this is going to be a reminder that it is our job and we have to be conscious of it. In fact, when I finish here in an hour or so, you're going to see a video that is going to show us a very creative way that our teens in the middle of this year, in the middle of everything that we've dealt with, in an ingeniously creative way, reached out, even in the middle of all this. It wasn't maybe reaching out to the lost, but it was outreach nonetheless. And it was effective and it was powerful and it mattered. But it was creative and it was we figured out a way to come up, a way to get the work done. That's what I want to remind us, that we still have work to do, that we're still told to go into these dead bones and let them know that there is life available. So if we're going to do that. We have to have a clear grasp of the situation we're dealing with. So that's where we're going to start. Is we have to be real about the world we're in. We have to, as Ezekiel sees in this vision, he stands and he sees this valley full of dry, parched bones, devoid of life. We have to be realistic about sin in the world. So if you would, if you haven't yet, open your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 37. And let's look at the first three verses of this, of this vision. And, and what, what we'll see with, with, with through Ezekiel's eyes is, is the way that we need to look at the world around us. And it sounds negative, and bear with me, please. But we have to be real. Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 3. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley. 
and they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So initially in this vision, what Ezekiel sees is death everywhere he looks. Now, with this number of bones, this number of dead bodies in this vision, it, it may be that he's in a valley where a great battle took place, which would break Ezekiel's heart. Because for a Jew to be left to die on a battlefield without being claimed, without being buried, was, was such a dishonor. But what Ezekiel sees is those who have been defeated by the enemy and left to rot. He sees death in so many ways. He sees death all around him. He sees these bones that are dry and are just lifeless. What do you see when you look around you? Oh, we see people living their lives, working at their jobs, raising their families, doing, doing, do, working at their hobbies, doing the things that people do. But what we have to remember is if they're not in Jesus, if they don't know Jesus Christ, they are spiritually dead. That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. He reminds us that until we're in Christ, he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That may be true of your husband. That may be true of your wife. That may be true of your children, your co-workers, your friends, your extended family. They may be full of life and energetic and good people. But outside of Christ, they're spiritually dead. <clears throat> Maybe it is that we need to pray that, that God will open our eyes, that, that, that we'll see the world not as sinful and corrupt and bad and we don't like it and we try and distance ourselves, but people who are lost. People who need to know who Jesus is. That's what Jesus himself says in John chapter 4 when he's had this conversation with the woman at the well. And in verse 35, he's telling his disciples, he's telling his apostles, he says, you guys know this parable. You know, you guys know the story that, that you all say that in three months comes the harvest. And he points at the town and I can just envision these people from the town that, that, that the lady went back to. And she's bringing the people to Jesus. He says, look, the fields are white to harvest. Here they are. Here's the people. Open your eyes to what's around you. That's what Jesus tells them. In Romans chapter 3, Paul says this, in beginning in verse 10, this is a quote from the Old Testament. He says, there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. That's, that's hard to hear, isn't it? No one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. Your translation may use the word unprofitable. But that's what, that's what Ezekiel sees. He sees bones that are useless, worthless. And hear me when I say this, that's what we see when we see the world outside of Christ. Not that they're worthless and useless because of who they are, because they're sinners like I am. They're sinners like you are. But they're useless outside of Christ because they can't fulfill God's purpose. They're not useless because they're bad people. They're good people for the most part. I believe that. But it's sin. The only difference between me and that guy is the blood of Jesus. But we have to see the family. When we, look at, when we look around us, our neighborhoods, we see that family that's ruined by substance abuse. We have to tell them. We have to let them know that there's a better way, that there's, that there's a hope for them. When you look at that family that's been, been destroyed and negatively impacted by, by infidelity, by either of the parents, we have to tell them that, 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 that there's, there's, a, there's an answer for all that for them. When you look at the family that is chasing material wealth and possessions and stuff and don't have any time for Jesus, don't have any time for faith. We need to warn them and let them know how important it is. We need to be the ones that introduce them to who Jesus is because without Jesus to God, they're useless. And that sounds so harsh and I know that. But again, it's not them. It's not because of who they are because like, I, I believe people are decent for the, for the most part. 
But they have to have Jesus. Let's skip down to verse 11 back in Ezekiel 37. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say this is what the bones say. Our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. And we are cut off. Our hope has perished. Ezekiel sees a world that sees, sees a valley full of bones that are hopeless. We need to see We need to understand that when we look at a world outside of Jesus, they're hopeless. Again, that's what Paul says in, in, in Ephesians chapter two, further down in that chapter. He describes those without Jesus as having no hope and without God in the world. Hopelessness is easy to see, sadly, in our society today. You see it in the unrest and the tension and, and everything because people don't have hope. People don't know where to put their hope. I pray. I, I, I pray that God gives us a burden for people outside of Jesus. Not, not, not we don't like the way the world is. That's a different feeling. I'm talking about a burden, a sorrow. For people who are disconnected from Jesus, have never connected to Jesus. Because what, what we need to see, and, and this is the urgency that I think God is showing Ezekiel with this valley of dead bones. Is that our, our, our world, our friends and neighbors are dead, dry bones outside of Jesus. And we have to be real about that. That's, that's no fun. That's no joke, but it gets better, I promise you. You don't, don't, don't tune out and go, wow, this is depressing. It's real, and, and we have to be honest with that. But we also have to be honest about what happens next. Because as Ezekiel looks in, these, in this valley, God begins to speak to him about what his job is. Look in verses 4 through 9. Into verse 3, he says, Son of man, can these bone lives... Can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. He said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. Now the scene changes. And as Ezekiel looks at this valley of dry bones, he realizes that he has a responsibility. He realizes what God is saying is look at the death and the devastation and the hopelessness here. And it's up to you to do something about it. What a burden placed on Ezekiel. What a challenge for Ezekiel. There, you have to think, he's got to be thinking, there's nothing more foolish. There's nothing more ridiculous than to stand and speak to a group of things that are not paying attention, that are not willing, that are not lively, that don't want to hear what you have to say. Insert preacher joke here. But, but that's what he, you can imagine. In fact, you can even hear it when God says, son of man, can these bones live? Look at Ezekiel's response when God says, can these bones live? What does he say? I don't That's your that's your area. I don't know the answer to that. You can hear his hesitation almost. You can hear him saying, what are you even asking me? Son of man, can these dead bones live? Ezekiel says, Lord God, only you know. And maybe Ezekiel's exasperated. Maybe he doesn't know the answer, but man, he is right. God knows. God knows. And Ezekiel sees the responsibility that, that, that God is laying on him. And we have, to, we have to think kind of the same way when we think of our responsibility. Humanly speaking, it seems impossible to step out these doors, to step into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, and, and talk to people about our faith, to tell people that there is a hope, that there is hope, that there is a way to life, that there is more than their paycheck, there is more than their stuff. We can understand how Ezekiel must feel when we think how difficult it must be to confront a dead and lifeless situation. 
But what we also see is, it, it's, this is clear. I mean, we, we could look at Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We could look at Mark 16, 15, and see. We could look at the places where we know that we're told to go into all the world. We're not going to do that. I just did, but we're not going to do that. But we know that's our obligation. We know that's our responsibility. We know that that has been entrusted to us as God's hands, feet, eyes on this earth. And when that happens, verse 7 this is what will happen. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. Can you imagine? I, mean, I get it. It's a vision, but still. When he obeys, look what happens. When he fulfills his responsibility, look what happens. So what is what does the world without Jesus need? Well, first and foremost, I'm going to tell you it's preaching, but I want you to hear me when I say this. When I say preaching, I'm, tell, I'm telling you they need to hear our preachers, but I do not mean our capital P preachers. They don't need to hear from any specific man. They don't need to. Yes, if we can get people here to listen to Richard or me or Jared or whoever stands up here, great. But when I say they need to hear our preachers, they need to hear our evangelists. That's you. They need to hear all of our preachers. That's each and every one of us. We need to be the ones who are sharing this message of hope. We all need to be the Ezekiels. And again, like I said, we're not going to talk about how we do it, but we know in theory, we know we can do it. You can talk about how much you love BSU. You can talk about how much you love your boat. You can talk about how much you love your car. You can talk about how much you love your house. You can talk about how much you love your job. Talk about how much you love your Lord. That's what it is. Tell people. Because it's not us. The, 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 the power isn't within us. The power is in God's word. That's why Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any what? Any two-edged sword. And what does it do? It cuts through everything and gets right down to what matters. And what matters is what Paul says in Romans 1.16 where he talks about what is in, contained in God's word. It is the gospel that Paul says, I'm not ashamed of that. I'll talk about it in front of anybody because I know that it's God's power to, to salvation for everyone. Paul says, I'm not ashamed to talk about that. Now, as Ezekiel stood in that valley, he had to be thinking, wow, what is the point? But God tells him, here's the point. Now, listen, when we look at this, I'm going to tell you, too, it's easy to, to focus on and to despair over those numbers that I showed you at the beginning, the fact that there's 44 point whatever percent, 3%, that's only people who even claim to be religious. 55.7, completely unattached, 223,000 unclaimed. But I want you to focus for a minute on a couple other numbers I'm going to give you in this passage. The number 10. Because in this passage, 10 times, God says, this is on me, not you. You do your job. Ten times God says, I will cause breath to enter you. I will put tendons on you. I will make flesh grow. I will cover you with skin. I will put breath in you. Skip down to verse 12. I'm going to open your graves. I will bring you up from them. I will lead you into the land of Israel. I will put my spirit in you. I will settle you in your land. I will do it. Ten times God promises, this is on me. Just go do what I tell you to do. I'll do it. I just need you to be the mouthpiece. And three times at the beginning of these promises, the middle and the end of these promises, three times God says, you will live. Verse 5, verse 6, you come to life. Verse 14, you will live. God promises. You people, you Ezekiel, for us, us, we do, your, we do our job. We speak the words. God says, I'll bring the life. I will bring the life. You speak the words. I'll do everything else. Ten times he promises. Three times he says, it will happen. We don't need more than that. We need once. And God's saying, I'll do it. You do, you do your job, I'll do it. And we have it all over the place. Right here, we have it ten times. And how's that going to happen? God says, here's how it happens, Ezekiel. You say the words. Prophesy. Prophesy to these bones, prophesy to the, to the wind, speak my words into them. And, I'll, and he says, I will bring them to life. 
Just say the words. Just speak the words. Just be willing to say what God wants us to say. In fact, that's next. When we look through this, the conclusion of all this, we see God's response. He tells Ezekiel, just, just do it. You can imagine Ezekiel going, okay, God, I get this as a vision, but dead bones. God says, prophesy to him. Watch. How many times do we see God do that in Scripture? Here's something crazy. Do it and see what I do. <laughs> I mean, that's what God does. Step into, the, step into the river. Step into the ocean. Step into the Red Sea. Step into the Jordan River that's overflowing its banks. Just do it and see what I do. Do we forget that? Say the words and watch what I do. Now watch what God does. Verses 10 through 14. So I prophesied as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came to life and stood on their feet. A vast army. Then he said to, man, said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say our bones are dried up and our hope is perished and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord says. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. What we see when Ezekiel does his part is an incredible regeneration. We see immediately that these bones live. They come to life. Can you imagine that? Like it says in verse 7, that rattling sound. As the bones come, it's a little creepy. I get it. But can you imagine what he's seeing? What he's experiencing as he listens, as he sees this happen. He's done what God's asked him to do. And life comes into these people. That's just what Jesus says will happen. In John chapter 6, verse 63, when Jesus' apostles, Jesus' followers are beginning to turn away because they don't like what he's teaching. Jesus says in verse 63 of John 6, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. We just have to give people those words. Second Corinthians 5 was a scripture that Stan read. And I, 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 I don't know if any of you, I hope none of you do this. I hope none of you keep track of the number of times that I use a verse because I milk this one. 2 Corinthians 5 is one of my favorite passages because of what it tells us. If anyone is in Christ, brand new, old, done away with, all things have become. You think the world doesn't want to hear that? That you can get away from your past, you can have your past obliterated, yeah, you're going to have some consequences. You're going to have some things you have to deal with. But for your own sake, for your guilt, for your, the burden, that you, you can have that taken care of. We have to convince the world of that. That everything can be new. You get a fresh start. And look what happens. When, when this fresh start begins, not only do they, these bones live, they stood up, they stand on their feet. See, that's... That's step two, I guess. You know, we don't want to just get people in Christ. Yes, we want to get people in Christ, but we don't want to just get people wet, right? We don't want to just get people in the water. We want to strengthen. That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he would grant you what? To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. We want people to come into Christ and be willing to stand with us. See, that's what's great about the church is that there, there are no unwanted. There are no unneeded. There are no unuseful people. That's not even a word, but I made it up right then. There, there are, it, there's a place for everybody to come together and to stand up together. Our job is just to recognize that and be the welcoming body that we're supposed to be. And we better be that. That may be a sermon for another time. But we better be that body that when those dead people come to life and come and stand with us, that we're just thrilled to death. No matter who they are, no matter what they look like, no matter where they come from, that they're one of us now. We're going to stand together. And when that happens, watch what happens in the end of verse 10. They become an exceedingly great army. I just had to use that picture just because it's great. It's from the old 60s movie that I think it's Jason and the Argonauts. But that's not even accurate. I mean, it's, it's a cool picture. Like I said, it's a bone standing up. But the, are, the bones in Ezekiel's vision, they have flesh. They're ready to go. 
They stand and they're an exceedingly great army. One minute they're dead. The next minute they have a use. They know their purpose. They're serving God's purpose. See, what we tend, what I tend to do is complain about our culture. I complain how godless we are. We kick God out of school. We kick God out of everything. We kick prayer out of school. And that's all true. And I tend to focus on the fact that how much, how hard it is that we deal with a culture, we deal with a society that's just not into God. Well, how about we look at it the other way? How about we get God into our society? We take the words to the people so they'll stand with us. So they will be the, the, that, that army that stands side by side with us. Not, not that we, we, don't have to, we don't have to enjoy what's going on in the world around us. We don't have to like it. But more than just complain about it, we need to be the ones impacting it by our words. And when I talk about us all being the preachers, let me tell you what I don't mean. I don't mean they don't, the world doesn't need to hear about our politics. The world doesn't need to hear about our opinions. The world doesn't need to hear about what we think about every little thing. What they need to hear is the grace of Jesus Christ. They need to hear that it is Jesus' blood who can connect them to God. Can these bones live? Yes, they can. Not because of what we believe about any sort of bill or any sort of law or any sort of legislation, but what we know about our God. And that's where we come in. Back in 2 Corinthians 5, the rest of that passage says that we are ambassadors. We are Ezekiel's for God. Since God is making his appeal through us, let that soak in. That us does not limit to the people that stand behind this pulpit. God is making his appeal through us. And we plead on Christ's behalf. Can these bones live? And that's, that's, that's where we come in. We, we have to be the Ezekiels. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's challenging. But we are ambassadors. We are Ezekiels. We are the messengers of God to these dead bones, to that 55.7%, to those unclaimed. We are the Ezekiels nonetheless. Verse 14, God says, and I will put my spirit in you and you will live. That is no less true today than it was then. God hasn't quit acting. God hasn't quit working. He just says, be the ambassadors. Do your job. Because that's how, people have got to get to know who God is. People have got to hear the words that Jesus has for them. The offer that Jesus has for them. And it's up to us. Since the end of World War II, the Japanese island of Saipan, volunteers have been searching for the bodies of soldiers who, who died on that island in World War II. They say up to maybe 50,000 soldiers died on that island. And as of 2018, anyway, less than half of them have been found. This is a story from 2015 that was updated in 2018. 75 plus years later, digging in caves, and they found six bodies in a cave that had collapsed. Soldiers, dead bodies that were lost. 75 years later, still searching for the dead. We have a mission to the dead. We have a mission to take God's word and however we can do it. However we can go into all the world, God says, figure it out and go. We have a mission in front of us to those who don't know Jesus. Church, we have to let them know that there's life only found in Christ. 
And I, I know, man, I, I, I know. I mean, I've, I've talked with several of you about watching the news and how angry it, it can get us and get you all boiled up and boiled over. When you look at the world, what do you see? Like I said, I, I have to admit, I, I get irritated. I, the way people act, the way people talk, the attitudes about God in our world, the attitudes about everything biblical that our world seems to hate. And it frustrates me. And it almost makes me just mad at them. <laughs> but that's, that's, that can't be the way, because you know why? Because it is but by the grace of God that it's not me. Because somebody had the courage to tell me about Jesus. In my case, somebody had the courage to smack me around and remind me about Jesus and what God had done for me. So the least I can do is show the same compassion, show the same heart to the people around me. Can these bones live? Yeah, these bones can live. God promises, I will put life in them. I will put flesh on those bones. I will breathe my spirit into them. Can these bones live? Paul says in Romans 10, how are they going to hear without someone to tell them? These bones can live with an Ezekiel. With those who understand the reality and the urgency of the lostness of the world outside of Jesus. Not hating on the world, not angry at the world, but understanding that people need to know Jesus. And we have to be the ambassadors, the Ezekiels, to speak those words. Can these bones live? These bones can live by you and I holding up the cross of Christ. Creatively, imaginatively, even in, even in challenging times. But we need to let the world around us know that there is life in Jesus. This morning, if you're outside a relationship with Jesus, you can fix that right now. If you hear me saying that and don't even know what that means, that goes for you people listening, watching online too. If, if you don't even know what that means, let us know somehow. We need to talk about that. But you can fix that right now. If you're a Christian and maybe you've, maybe you've walked away Maybe this, maybe this year, this time has just got you so frustrated you've given up. And you're just kind of going through the motions of sitting in a pew. Come back to life. Because these bones can live. Because God says they can. He just needs us to be the voice. To let the world, to let each other, to remind each other that that life, that hope is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. If there's anything that we can do for you here this morning, we can pray with you. If you're ready to take those steps, we're going to stand in just a second. Come up here. We'll talk about it. We'll pray about it. If there's anything you need us to pray for on your behalf, let us know while we stand together and sing. In November, a group of our teens put together a service project, the Heat for the Holidays, that took place in December. You may have... Uh, Remember that, and probably you, partake of the, you partook of that in some way, whether you purchased cards and sent out to uh, different people in the congregation to encourage them, or you helped deliver those cards. Uh, that was an event that was completely designed by our teens, uh, all the way down to the design of the cards that were used, to the graphics that were used to promote the event and everything, and that took place in December. And what was interesting about that was, uh, as we were getting that set up, a couple of the questions that were one question that was asked quite a bit of, of me was, man, you know, we're doing this in two weeks. That's a short window to pull this off uh, and, and to gather donations to send to our missionaries uh, in Ukraine, Brandon and Katie Price, to use for the students in the Ukrainian Bible Institute. And my response to that was, you know, I agree with your sentiments. And I, I understand where you're coming from with that, and I think it's a short window as well. But remember, this is the same group of teens that put together uh, an event in October 
uh, it was a car wash on a rainy, cold October Saturday that we raised money to send to Guatemala for the uh, widow of Annabelle Ramirez, Damaris, and her three daughters. And in that cold Saturday, with it raining almost the entire time we did the car wash, we raised close to $3,000. And in that short two-week window uh, for the heat for the holidays, we raised a little over $3,700 that we sent to Ukraine uh, to help pay for heating bills for the students in the Ukrainian Bible Institute. What was interesting about that event was that it was a two-part uh, event. On our end, we bought cards and sent uh, those cards to different people in the congregation, and we delivered those cards, and we were able to see the encouragement uh, that we were able to, to send out to various people in the congregation and to see their, their faces light up and to think, wow, you know, people are, are thinking of me and haven't been able to get out because of the pandemic and the virus and all that stuff. And so we were able to partake of that uh, part of the event and, and see that encouragement that was sent out, which was really neat. But now you're going to see a video that Brandon Price has put together of the students in the Ukrainian Bible Institute, and you're going to see how your donations uh, to pay for their heating bills encouraged them. So it's kind of neat that we get to see the encouragement that we were able to give to our members here in the congregation, but now we get to see the encouragement that uh, we were able to give to the students in the Ukrainian Bible Institute. After the video, Stan will come up and lead us in a closing prayer. Hello to everyone at Linda Road from the Ukrainian Bible Institute in Kyiv, Ukraine. We wanted to thank you once again for your Heat for the Holidays fundraiser that you uh, did to help our, pay for our students' heat uh, for the winter in their student apartments. And we thought today we could take you to their apartments, let you see some of the students, see the apartments that they live in, and see what a little bit of life at UBI is like outside of UBI. All right, we are here. The guys live on the 16th floor, and this is about a 15 minute walk away from the school. And so let's go up and say hi. Hello. <laughs> we are here at the guy's apartment and we have a few of our students here. I want to have them introduce themselves and then maybe give you a tour of the place. Меня зовут Саша. Мне 27 лет. Я из города Мариуполя. Сейчас учусь в УБИ на втором курсе. Я тоже учусь на втором курсе. Меня зовут Егор. Сам из города Краматорск, но здесь уже в Киеве живу около четырех лет, и да, уже осталось последние полгода. Меня Александр зовут, но я вот только поступил учиться в УБИ, я сам Черкас, мне 36 лет, вообще познаю науку Господню. Ну, это вот моя кровать, здесь я сплю, здесь я вот обучаюсь. Some of the furniture belongs to the owners of the apartment. Some of the furniture the school has acquired over the years, so everything's kind of hodgepodge in here. He was sleeping. <laughs> Every student uh, has their own bed and their own desk to work at, and one of the students here is one of our new students, um, and I want him to introduce himself. Hi, меня зовут Валентин. Я со Стаханова, это Луганская область, сейчас это ЛНР, живу здесь в Киеве. Вот. 
неделю, еще не полную, как я учусь в институты УБИ. Вот. Здесь я живу, здесь я сплю. Вот мой стол, мой рюкзак. Мне все нравится. Ну, в общем, класс, замечательно. Слава Господу, что есть такие места, где можно а, учиться, жить и наслаждаться жизнью. Ну, тут тепло, конечно, здесь уютно. Я, ну, я так делаю, вообще. Вот. Спасибо большое вам за вашу заботу и любовь, за то, что отликнулись, за то, что помогаете нам. Спасибо вам большое. Благодарим вас за вашу поддержку, за вашу помощь и за те финансы, которые вы выделяете ради нас. Благодарим за то, что дарите наши квартиры, наши комнаты тепло, которое дает нам огромнейшее благословение заниматься не только по дням, но и по вечерам, и сидя за изучением Слова Божьего. All right, that was the guy's apartment, and now we're here visiting the first of two girls' apartments that we have. And this apartment is about a 30-minute walk from the Institute. So let's go on up to uh, their apartment and say hello. Привет! Можно? All right, we are in uh, the first of two of the female apartments that we have, and I want to introduce, I want these two students to introduce themselves. Меня зовут Маша, я уже второй курс, и учиться здесь прекрасно, а жить еще лучше. Поэтому спасибо вам большое, и спасибо всем. А я Мирослава, я тоже уже второй курс, и живу тут уже два года почти. Представляю вам комнату номер один. В этой комнате настолько тепло, что даже открыто окно. Кто умеет лазить, тут сюда, пожалуйста. И есть такая замечательная рабочий стол. Можно, конечно, сделать занавесочку, сидеть и учиться. Прекрасно. Но это не все. Есть замечательный вид, замечательный стол. И с прекрасным видом присели и учитесь. Комната. Смотрите. Там раз кровать, два кровать. Шкаф классный. Мне нравится зеркало большое. Меня зовут Яна. Я из города Ровно, из общины церкви Христовой. А как тебе в институте? Временами трудно, но когда на каникулах, я очень скучаю за учебой. Спасибо вам, что мы вам не безразличны, находясь там, вы жертвуете для нас здесь. Мы вас очень за это ценим и любим. Okay, we're heading to the third apartment now, our third student's apartment. You may have noticed that those two apartments were very different from each other and not close to each other, and our third student apartment is exactly the same. It's about a 30 or 40 minute trip, if not more, depending on if you're walking or taking the metro or the public transport or a bus. Uh, and that's because here in Ukraine, apartments are more like renting houses in the States where they each have their own owner. And so when we got here, when the school got here, they just looked for any apartment within the area that would actually rent for a group of students. And what we have is what we found. Uh, our long-term dream, of course, is to have a building with our own dorms again, but our short-term dream is just to have apartments that are closer to the school for the students. Stay prepared. 
prepared some food for us, and out of all three apartments, they definitely won for hospitality. Uh, but uh, this is our third and final student apartment, and these are three of the students that live here, and I would like for them to introduce themselves, so you should like to start Учусь уже в институте на втором курсе. Меня зовут Лена, мне 50 лет, я из Донецка. Заканчиваю уже УБИ, осталось мне благодаст полгода. Меня зовут Дегтярева Лариса, я из Донецкой области, города Горловки. Мне 41 год, я только поступила, первый курс. Так, начнем с чего? С наших апартаментов. Это наша комната. Здесь находятся три ученицы. Вот эта вся обстановка. Учебная и спальная комната. Так, это еще одна комната наша с двумя человеками, рассчитана на двоих человек. И есть балкон в этой комнате. Здесь коридор, по которому мы ходим. Вот. Это коридор наш, где мы храним воду. Здесь питьевая вода, поставляемая братьями. Хотим поблагодарить вас за вашу помощь, за вашу поддержку. Что, несмотря на то, что вы далеко, вы наши братья и сестры. И вы помните о нас, думаете о нас, молитесь о нас. Мы тоже о вас молимся и хотим поблагодарить Господа за вас и вас. За то, что вы... Выделили средства и помогли нам, чтобы мы могли учиться и не мерзнуть. Спасибо. I hope you've enjoyed this short tour of our three student apartments. I want to thank you again so much, Linda Road, for the support, for the fundraiser you did to help us pay for the heat. It's been a big blessing. The school is thankful for it. I'm thankful for it. And I hope that this summer uh, we'll be able to see each other face to face. about